www.jrootradio.com. The preferred radio station for the Jewish home. Welcome to Radio J. Root Healthy Living. My name is Eliezer Gruber, a certified nutritionist with offices in Borough Park and Baruch Hashem now in Yerushalayim. I hope all of our listeners had a very meaningful and enjoyable summer. Before we start today's exciting program, a very exciting program today, I would like to just give a brief introduction to our first-time listeners as to my vision, my mission as a certified nutritionist. My goal is to bridge a very wide gap, and do I mean a very wide gap between the two fields, nutrition and medicine. I am on an ongoing basis communicating with some of the top medical centers in different fields of medicine in order to bridge, Bez Hashem, bridge this very, very wide gap between nutrition and medicine. Working together, this enables me to design healthy lifestyle plans in order to promote optimal physical, both optimal physical and emotional health. There is no question that the wise choices a person makes in their dietary habits, as well as a structured exercise program, quality sleep, and stress management can have a profound, and do I mean a profound effect, on the quality of a person's physical and emotional well-being. When people consult with me as a nutritionist, I am constantly understanding their nutritional imbalances based on very many factors, an in-depth history including their dietary habits, their genetics, their predispositions, their parents, their grandparents, what their predispositions are, also reviewing extensively their laboratory blood work, and putting as many things together as possible in order for me now to design the optimal health plan for their unique biochemical needs. Everybody is unique in their biochemistry, and we, it's not one size fits all. Baruch Hashem, with a lot of siyata dishmaya, I have seen so much success regarding the change in their physical and emotional well-being. In order to accomplish my mission, my vision and mission about 11 years ago, with a lot of siyata dishmaya, I created the Nutri-Supreme Research complete line of kosher dietary supplements, vitamin company designing cutting-edge formulations in order to achieve my target goal optimal physical and emotional well-being. However, I would like to make very to stress to all of our listeners and that all of our listeners should understand very clearly one cannot in any form or fashion just rely on taking vitamins, taking pills to achieve this goal of optimal health. Yes, it is true. Many times in order to correct sometimes severe nutritional imbalances Supplements are very needed, warranted. However, only in conjunction, again, with wise, healthy food choices, a proper, structured exercise program, quality sleep, can we can we achieve this goal? Without any further delay, I would like to introduce the topic of today's show, in which every parent and mother Dobbins yearns for that their children thrive and reach their fullest potential. We all daven, and we all want the right schools, the right teachers, and we need a lot of siyata deshmaya. Today's topic is to help your child, to understand how to help your child thrive in the classroom setting. Obviously, we, again, we understand we need so much siyata deshmaya, 
But there are many things as parents that we can do to help our children, both from a nutritional perspective as well as a, from a psychological perspective. And with most, thing, most things in life, we all know, the more we plan and prepare, the more structure we have, the better the outcome is. In order to guide us in achieving our goal, that our children be able to thrive in the classroom, healthy living is proud and honored to introduce a very, very special guest, Mrs. Rivka Schoenfeld. The very popular, I'm sure most of our listeners know of her, the very popular teacher, author, and founder of SOS, which has literally helped thousands of people gain the tools and the skills they need to be successful in school and in life. Mrs. Schoenfeld founded SOS on the premise that everyone can learn if they're just given the right tools and taught the right skills. She dedicates with total, I've met, I've met with her several times, total dedication in order now to teach these tools in schools and to help the parents implement them in for the children, for children, adolescents, and adults. And she takes great joy in seeing her clients that enjoy the success and the success in by implementing her, her guidance. So without any any delay, I would like to like to introduce Mrs. Schoenfeld. Again, on behalf on behalf of Radio J Root, our listeners and myself, we so much appreciation. I appreciate you taking the time from your very busy schedule. I know you have an extremely busy schedule to share with us your wisdom, your wealth of knowledge, and guiding us again in helping our children thrive into the classroom. Hi, Mrs. Schoenfeld. Hi, thank you so much for your kind words. Very much appreciated, and I think we could begin. Okay, okay. So let me, if I could ask you some questions, we'll go one by one, and we'll, I'm sure every one of us will gain from your wealth of knowledge and experience. The first question I would like to ask you, Mrs. Schoenfeld, is how can I build a parent? This is a parent. How can a parent build the child's focus and concentration in the classroom setting? Okay, for the children who generally don't have issues with focus, simply helping them connect what they're learning in school to what they might do on a daily basis, either at home or with friends, will increase their interest and their concentration. I will give you an example of a situation I just had in my office not long ago. A child came into my office having trouble with negative numbers. So we used coins, we used the cash register to buy and borrow things from each other. And this simple interaction helped him find something to connect the math information to on a daily basis. In education, we call this Velcro. Velcro means the connections that form between the different ideas that help children remember and focus. The more Velcro we provide them with, the more they want to learn. And this is a key factor. The more we reach to children, the more we speak to them, the more information we give them, the strong Velcro is ammunition. This ammunition will give the Kindleloch the strength they need to be on top in school and be more connected and focused. But then we have the other side of the coin which is a child that has a little bit or a lot of bit of ADHD. 
ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which even if a child is not hyperactive, we call it ADHD. As in 1994, it was changed to the ADHD terminology. And for those children who need help with focus, first I would advise they should read the book, My Friend the Troublemaker. For educators, principals, teachers, mothers, children, because there's tremendous wealth of information in the back of the book and in the storyline. So I would like to just share a few of the tips for the children and parents. Use a daily planner. Planning for them is extremely crucial. Planning out a day so they shouldn't be all over the place. Setting a timer would be very, very advisable if children have no sense of time. And many times children and adults don't have any sense of time when they're all over the place and they have so much to do. Squeeze a stress ball. Many yeshivas, many schools are allowing children that have ADHD fidget with something quietly underneath their desk if it does not interrupt other kinderlach in the class. I think it's a great idea. It's a stress ball that is very quiet. Set up a reward system, a motivation system, something to motivate a child that's having difficulty in the class would be a marvelous idea making a certain eye signal, giving a child a tap. All these things will help a child focus more on the classroom. Another great idea for a Bayim and teachers would be give a child small breaks, make them a monitor, allow them to move around in the class a little bit or go to the office and get some papers or do a job so they don't have to stay seated all day long in a classroom from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock. Even us as adults would have difficulty sitting all day long, even if we didn't have ADHD. Calva Homer, a little child who gets up early, starts on the bus at 7 a.m. in the morning and comes home at 6 o'clock. So that would be my advice. And really, all the farm stores have, my friend the troublemaker, it would be very advisable to pick up that book because there's a lot of information for teachers and educators that would really help everybody. Phenomenal, phenomenal. At the end of the show, we're going to, you're going to get out all your contact information in case they do have a trouble finding your, your books. And but let's, if we can now go to another question. Sure. Uh, your information is so valuable. Uh, stress. How does stress actually affect the academic performance? Okay, stress affects everybody, and we are in a stress-filled society. If we look in any newspaper, every editorial will be a little bit about stress and how it affects us in, in such a poor way. So, of course, any emotional stress can have an effect on academic performance. Anxiety can be particularly painful and debilitating. School phobia is a situation that I have in my office, especially now and in September, because children are really afraid to go back to school. Why are they so afraid to go back to school? They're afraid because they're afraid of being bullied. They're afraid of so many little things of being the best in the class, of peer pressure. So they're stressed out to begin with. But in a very special book that Mariana Casodi wrote about school phobia and panic attacks, she outlines different ways that parents can help their children overcome anxiety. And I'd like to share with you some of the ways she suggests. Do not speak about the anxiety in front of your children. Parents should avoid discussing their child's worries in front of him. 
Hearing about his own problems can often cause more anxiety and result in seeing his problems as larger than they really are. Number two, do not introduce your own worries. Parents should try to remove any unnecessary pressure from the child as he needs to be protected from stress regardless of how the parents feel. Reassure your child. And it's not only reassuring of the child. I believe the husband has to reassure the wife and the wife has to reassure the husband. Children and adults need a lot of reassurance today. Verbally, I wouldn't even say only by an email or by a text message. Your child should be told that his fears will not always be with him. Constant reassurance and they will go away. Listen to your child's anxieties. Allow your child to express his fears, even if they seem silly to you. This doesn't mean that you have to give in to all his little whims, but just showing him that you value his feelings and you are aware of his suffering will be so beneficial for the child. Create a gentle start to the day. Wake him up early, put on some music, make him a delicious breakfast, give him a kiss and a hug. Give him that ammunition, that strength to start his day on a strong note. Stick to regular routines. Bedtime should be the same time every night. Wake-up time should be the same time every morning. I heard a very good word from a very big Rosh Yeshiva. Vayihi the boker starts from the Erev. If we go to sleep on time, we will wake up refreshed and happy and relaxed. Seek a professional opinion. Anxiety is a serious issue that can't always be solved by a caring, capable parent. If you feel that your child's anxiety is affecting you and your family, seek a professional opinion. Another situation that can cause stress is low self esteem. Often, the self-esteem that the child exhibits is because they want to be perfect. They quit before they begin. They don't put in any effort because they just don't feel that they're able to do it. They avoid all challenges. They make critical comments about themselves. I'm so stupid. I'm so ugly. Because they just Give in before they even give it a try. And this can put a lot of stress on the child and impact negatively on all of his academic performance. So let me give you some ways to help a child with low self-esteem. One way you can help build self-esteem is through praising the child's actions rather than their essence. For example... If a child constructed a tall tower out of blocks, you can say, you built that tower really well. You made it very tall, rather than saying, you're a good builder. The former message allows the child to understand that he can do things, but does not label him in any way. Another way to help a child build a self-esteem is to criticize a child's actions. When he does something wrong, do not criticize him. He is a good boy. He, she is a good girl. The person is a good person. But their actions were inappropriate. For example, if a child is yelling in shul, you tell a child, yelling in shul is not appropriate because you are 
there are people trying to daven, and it's messing up everyone's tefillah. So what you could do is say, if you want, when you go home at night and you take a shower, you could let yell in the house, yell in the shower a little bit. You don't do that. Why you shouldn't do it? And an alternative. Through this process, the child recognizes you trust him as a capable person, and you can understand and take, he can take care of himself. That gives him a little extra self-confidence. Another thing, a final way for a child to build self-esteem or a parent to help build the self-esteem in a child. You tell a child, I enjoy your company. You say good morning to a child. It's nice to see you. I love holding your hand when we go for a walk. All this allows a child to feel special and build up the child's self-esteem. For example, one child I met with in my office came in telling me that he was stupid. Through two sessions, he's doing reading and math, I realized how smart he was, and he was getting nearly perfect scores on everything we did. But the low self-esteem stemmed from his need to be perfect, the need for perfection. Once we worked on the self-esteem rather than his academics, we managed to get him performing at his grade level instead of getting stuck on the problems he didn't know which is really very important. We have to analyze and see why the child is feeling the way he is. Not always is it an academic issue. Many times it's the way the child feels about himself. So I think that if parents would just give the child a little extra ammunition and love and caring and not criticize and not to be so critical of children, and when they need to be critical, criticize their actions and not the child or the person, the child will really thrive. I have a question for you, Mrs. Sure. Schoenfeld. I see a lot of parents, parents bring me their children, some parents consult me, even without their children in my office, and it just seems like in the last, I would say, five to ten years, these issues, whether it's low self-esteem, whether it's anxieties, fears, phobias, depression, mood issues, it seems like it's just more and more it's escalating you know, and what do you, after your, you know, your practice, I'm sure it has been for many, many years, what do you contribute to such like an alarming epidemic for these kids? What's happening in our, in our society that's promoting these negative, uh, uh, that's having this negative effect on our children from these parameters, in these parameters? I believe we're living in such a fast-paced world with emails and texts and parents. Both parents and families are working. There isn't enough family time. Everyone is stressed out. And if we just sat down, took a step back, relaxed a little tiny self-esteem and more of the family life. When I grew up, we sat down at the supper table with the family, with my parents. It was a different life altogether. Today... All the children are running in different directions. The parents come home late from work. The father works late. The mother is trying to put seven kids to sleep. It's very, very difficult. We're living in a, in a world where everyone is stressed out. Yeah, I'm sure that's a very it's an underlying factor that's causing many of these problems. So let's go to another question. So basically, let's say, to recap, so the biggest issues affecting the uh, academic performance in these kids in the So I'll tell you what they are, social issues and bullying. The biggest issues affecting the academic performance of kids today are social issues and bullying and learning disabilities. 
What, what I'd like to share bullying? something so with you from a very, uh, the American Medical Association. According to the Journal of American Medical Association, over 30% of children are estimated to be involved in bullying, either as a bully or a target of bullying. Each year, 160,000 students miss at least one day of school because they fear dealing with a bully. The effect of bullying... Think, why do you think there's so much bullying today? What's causing this? It, I believe that it was just as bad years ago. I just believe that it's coming to the forefront. I, I believe bullying was always an issue. Could it be the people that are, that are receiving this bulliness is because coupled along with, like you mentioned before, their low self-esteem... In other words, they, it's just like, you know... The sure, low self-esteem has a tremendous impact on bullying. When a person doesn't feel good about themselves, they point fingers and blame others and try to knock the next person down. So 100%. Very well said. Do, what can the parents do if, let's say, the child comes home and they say, Mommy, Tati, you know, I just don't want to go to school. This person is bullying me. You know, what, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, it just, I can't face this child, this other child anymore. What parents need to do, I don't know if they do it, is they need to sit down with the child, speak to the child about what's going on in school, make the teacher aware of it, and make the principal aware of it, and there needs to be a no-tolerance policy for bullying. A child needs to feel protected when they go to school, just as they need to be, feel protected when they're at home with their mommy and tati. In school, they need to know their teacher, their rebbe, their manal. All are taking care of them. Mm-hmm. They're at the mercy of their teachers, and they're under so much pressure from their peers. A Rebbe and a teacher have a tremendous kayak in the class and in the school, and what they need to do is protect the child. They just had a child come to me and say that every time he goes to his Rebbe or his teacher, the Rebbe says he's going to take care of it, and he didn't take care of it, or the Mora says she's going to take care of it and wasn't taken care of. And finally, the mommy said she had to go to the Manal. And finally, the Manal sat down and told the child's parents, I'm sorry if your child is going to continue to bully the other children in the class, we're going to have to ask the child to leave the yeshiva. Once I mean, a child knows that to- bullying will not be tolerated, he will take his parents will speak with him at home, or he will not bully. But as long as he gets away with it, he will continue to do it. Do you feel most of the time the teachers and the principals are, are very proactive? And let's say if there is bullying to any children in the school, that they're very proactive. The principals are wonderful. The teachers are wonderful about it. I've been in many, many schools, and the teachers and principals have been so proactive. One school in particular invested a lot of money and went through every class to make sure there is no bullying in any classroom. It was wonderful. Took the admin- there was a whole administrative meeting, and they said we're having a meeting about bullying, and if there are any children, had a meeting with all the teachers and said to indicate any child that bullies another child, and they dealt with it very proactively. They speak with the parents. Obviously, they speak with the parents. Of the they call the parents in, and they speak with the parents, definitely. And many times, ch- children bully because they unfortunately see certain behaviors at home which make them bully in school. And probably they, they themselves have a very low self-esteem as well. That's correct. Okay, I would like to ask you another question, Mrs. Schoenfeld. Is there a common denominator? If, I would, if we could just focus on, let's say, the common denominator as to which children thrive 
as to which children thrive in a school setting? Yes, that, that's a really good question, because that question is asked all the time. Parents are always asking me, what can I do to make my child thrive? I love this question. The answer to that is, I don't believe that it's only the IQ of a child that makes a child a success, because it's not always the children that are the most brilliant that do well in school. I believe it's a skill. It's called executive functioning skills. It's not IQ. Of course, you need some smarts as well, but I don't believe it's only the smarts and the IQ. You need to have good executive skills. What are executive skills? I'd like to share with you what they are and how they're translated because this will help everybody very much. Executive skills allow us to organize our behavior over time and override immediate demands in favor of longer-term goals. Through the use of these skills, we can plan organize activities, sustain attention, persist to complete a task. Executive skills enable us to manage our emotions, monitor our thoughts in order to work more efficiently and effectively. Simply stated, these skills help us regulate our behavior. And these skills are planning, the way we plan to create a roadmap for each goal. Focus only on what's important. We need to be extremely organized. These are the kids who are the most successful kids in school. They plan. They're very goal-oriented. They're organized. They keep track of multiple sets of information and materials. Their time management skills are amazing. The ability to understand how much time one has and how to figure out how to divide it to meet their goal. For example, if a child has every intention of doing her math homework, but she gets caught up in a book she was reading, and she doesn't finish her homework, there goes her score when she needs to go back the next day with her work. Working memory, the ability to hold the information in her mind even while performing other tasks. Another very key word, metacognition, the ability to self-monitor and recognize when you are doing something poorly or well. Response inhibition, the ability to think before you speak or before you act. And sustained attention, the ability to attend to a situation or task in spite of distraction, fatigue, or boredom. You need to push yourself beyond your limit. Those are the children and people who succeed. Those skills allow us to study well, make time for homework, and add to the existing Velcro, which I discussed earlier. Well, it's phenomenal. Uh, the last question I would li like to ask you, Mrs. Schoenfeld, is to the parents, addressing now to the parents what they can do. You've already mentioned several things. The most important things they can do to help their children succeed. Okay, that's a very easy one, and not always so easy for parents. Parents should be present during homework time, whenever possible to be home for the child, but should not do the homework for the child. For example, I had a parent who was so present that she ended up completing all the fill-in-blanks for her daughter, and then she struggled with how to get her daughter to do it herself. Be there not to do the homework for the child, but be around to answer questions when a child is doing homework. Explain new concepts. 
Be encouraging when your child brings home a good grade. But don't shame the child if he gets a poor grade. Another very important, very important piece that parents could do, early intervention if there's a problem. Many children with learning disabilities and behavioral issues respond best when they are young. Instead of spending years just going through the grades, by going to a professional and evaluating the child to see if there is a disability. I once had a child who came to me as an eight-year-old. I got her reading by fifth grade, but the mommy was smart. She evaluated the younger one as well, and the younger one, by working early with that child and giving her the skills, was reading when she was in first grade with the rest of her friends. So that is very important. Parents need to be there at homework time. They need to work with the child and sit there and not be on the telephone doing a million things. Take the phone off the hook. Just be there. Make a special homework area. Show the child you're all with them when they come home so they could speak to you, tell you how their day was, and give you give them the support they need. Then they will have that koyach and strength to withstand even a little bullying or a little put-downs if they get tremendous koyach from mommy and tati at home. The more we so give so them the power and the confidence at home, the more they will be able to succeed in school. I would imagine from what you're saying that there are a lot of parents, when they have the so-called quiet time with their children in the evening, that if they, are, if they don't take the phone off the hook, if they don't turn off their cell phone, or if they're receiving an email, if they're receiving a text, or whatever communication that's coming to them, if they now say to the child, you know, I have to go do something, take care of something, that in itself has a very detrimental effect, can have its ongoing, let's it's, it's an emergency, a very not a, a detrimental effect on the child's relationship with the being. Like something else is more important. So For sure. Father, Some mothers mother tell me their husbands, when they come home, they're, even they're home from work sometimes, they're not really home. They're constantly texting, and they don't even look at the child. They're constantly looking at their phone to you know, text back a parent, but they're home. Children need to know their parents are home, and home means the phone should be put into a different room. A phone could be taken off the hooks or the voicemails could pick up the calls. If children see the parents are all with them and they speak to them fully without the telephones and the emails and the texts in the way, they will have superstars as kinderloch and as students. They will be happy in every direction. Well, children phenomenal. need parents. Phenomenal. Mrs. Schoenfeld, before discussing, I'm going to go on now to how nutrition and other lifestyle factors can have such a profound effect in promoting optimal success in the classroom. I would just like to mention, and it's been a very, it's an honor to have been to myself, to the whole staff at Nutri-Supreme, that Nutri-Supreme, myself and yourself, have been working together and joining forces to educate. I mean, really to educate the public in how to further help our children succeed in the school and at home. And Be'ez HaShem, there will be a special insert in the Sukkot edition of the Bina magazine. I would highly recommend that every one of you, all of our listeners, be sure and get the Bina Sukkot edition, and I'm sure you, everyone will gain so much information for this special insert. And Mrs. Schoenfeld, on behalf of myself, Radio J. Root, our listeners, we all so much appreciate you taking the time. I, I know from meeting with you several times, you have a very, very busy schedule, 
and to share with us your wealth of knowledge and guiding us and helping our children in the classroom. I would like you to give up, if you would please, to our listeners all your contact information, how they get in touch with you, uh, and that would be much appreciated. Right. Another thing I would like to add about our amazing newsletter, which was just delivered, and uh, looking forward for us all to see it, is there is a, an especially very nice thing about dealing with a child with anger. A vital topic being discussed is ODD, Oppositional Defiant Disorder, plans A, B, and C. So that is all itemized in the newsletter as well. So I'd like to wish all our listeners a Gitke Bench Jor. And also the motto is, if they don't learn the way we teach, we must teach them the way they learn. And my contact information is Rifka Schoenfeld at Verizon.net, R-I-F-K-A. S-C-H-O-N-F-E-L-D at Verizon.net. Telephone number is 718-382-5437. Looking forward to hearing all comments or questions. Feel free to call. It was really very nice being on the radio with you and looking forward to many more yeah, uh, discussions right together. Yeah, thank you so much again. Be well. Thank you. Before we take and, and invite questions, I would like to now address some of the nu- nutritional factors and other lifestyle factors that can be very strong and have a very profound effect in the classroom and at home, in home setting. I see many parents with parents bringing me their children with, as Mrs. Chantal mentioned, ADD, ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, as well as learning disabilities, as well as behavioral disorders. So I think if we look at underlying factors from a nutritional perspective, we could see such a profound change in our children. So the first question is breakfast. Child wakes up in the morning. And before he goes to school, uh, it depends on the age of the ch- child, whether he's eating at home, whether he's eating in the yeshiva or the Beis Yaakov. What is the ideal breakfast? I've spoken, most of our listeners who know me, I've spoken many times that we live in a society of overabundance. Uh, we're eating so much food. We're not, we, in Baruch Hashem, we have food on our table, overabundance, but we're under nutrition, under malnutrition. What does this translate to? The foods that we're feeding ourselves, especially now the topic is on our children and thriving in the classroom and at home, what our children eat and put in our bodies, we have to remember, besides the halik and the shama, the body we need for our physical and emotional well-being and to nourish the able that our neshama should flourish and reach our full potential, we, our body is a chemical factory. And to what we put into our bodies is going to have such a profound effect on how we perform, whether it's physically, emotionally, and again, whether it's concentrating, whether it's being like on a merry-go-round, just cannot sit still, and all kinds of behavioral disorders. Now, a breakfast. I'm amazed what parents tell me. A lot of the children are running out of school with their breakfast in their hand, waiting for the bus. They're, if they are eating at home, it's a, like a very sugared cereal, like a Frosted Flakes, a Rice Krispies. This is what they're going to school with, maybe a cup of milk, maybe a cup of juice. The question is like this. We want to nourish ourselves, our brain, our neurotransmitters. 
You have to remember dopamine that has been addressed as the newer transmitter regarding attention deficit. That's how the medications are working on dopamine, this newer transmitter. You need a protein. You need amino acids. If a child is not getting adequate amount of protein, which means amino acids that will not promote their well-being as far as they're being able to concentrate and focus in the school, the newer transmitters, your dopamine, your serotonin, your newer epinephrine, they need new, they need the raw materials, they need protein, amino acids in order for them to be able to function. Now, what is a good breakfast? The question is, what is a good breakfast? So, eggs, as long as there's not an allergy to eggs, eggs would be a great form of protein. Each egg, and we don't, we want to, we want the yellow part of the egg. That's the most nutrient-dense part of the egg is the yellow. Let's put aside cholesterol. The children's cholesterol are high today. A lot of children, not because of the foods that they're eating that have cholesterol, is because of the high-sugar, empty-calorie diet that they're eating, which is promoting the liver to produce the sugar via insulin to produce higher levels of cholesterol. It's not the yolk of the egg that's doing this. So either so each egg with the yolk is about eight grams of protein. If you can have a child before he goes to school with let's say two eggs, like sixteen grams of protein, that should be enough protein for him to be able now to function to do well in the morning. We'll get we'll get in a few minutes. We'll get to the snack and to the lunch. But needs protein. We have three food groups. We have protein. We have carbohydrates, and we have fat. So we've spoken about protein. Now, if the child is an allergic, has an allergic issue with, with eggs, or for some reason he doesn't like eggs, then we have to obviously find another alternative. Baruch Hashem, that's one of the reasons Nutri-Supreme Research developed a very high-quality whey, W-H-E-Y, protein for children in two delicious flavors in order to deliver the protein that they need in order to function properly, again, physically and emotionally. So we have protein. We have carbohydrates. Again, the empty carbohydrates, we're talking about bread, the white flour, the refined carbohydrates. You can't just throw in a few fortified with a few B vitamins and iron and call that now a fortified food that's for promoting optimal health and wellness. Whole grains, that means whole wheat, whole spelt, whole rye. We need whole grains for our children, not that they're refined or depleted from its basic, the way the Rabbanishala made for the essential nutrients for promoting this optimal health and wellness. So whole grains. And then we have fats, healthy fats. Healthy fats means your your things, we'll get into omega-3s, the essential fatty acids, avocados is a very good healthy fat, nuts or nut butter, as long as there's no allergic issue with nuts, nuts is a very, very good, high in protein, good in fat, so the children, they need fruits, they need vegetables, so any child, in order to promote, in order to promote to him for to be function in a way where he can concentrate and sit in a, in a room, in a classroom setting, he needs this combination of, a, of optimal protein, healthy fats, and, and, and whole grain carbohydrates. In fact, there was a study that was published in the Archives of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine that found attention spans. 
that were increased, improved attention spans, lower hyperactivity, fewer behavioral issues, higher in reading in, in reading skills, in math scores, no question in lower in, dep- in depression, as Mrs. Schoenfeld spoke about anxiety and phobias. We need the proper recipe, just like we make. We have a recipe for our chomps. We have a recipe for our cakes and our kugels. We need the proper recipe to, in order for our children to function well. So breakfast is a must. Optimal, that's uh, no question. Snacks, what is a children, what's a child going to take for a snack? Now let's understand. What's happening in a child's biochemistry? If he's going to take with him the, the fruit pops and the roll-ups and the taffies, or he's going to take with him the sugary drinks, even the juices, even orange juice, even apple juice, even without added sugar, you're talking about each cup orange juice. Each cup of apple juice is about 27 grams of sugar. You know, it's much better to eat apple and eat the, and, or eat the orange that has all the other nutrients, the fiber and other nutrients and vitamins and minerals that are, you don't get in the fiber that you're not getting just from the juice, processed juice alone. If the child doesn't want to drink water, obviously water is a great is a, is a great way to go. But you can take a juice. I would recommend very very highly to dilute the juice. Maybe if it could be possible, like a third juice, two thirds water, or not more than half juice, half water. This would be a, a great a, a great alternative. But not just the juice in itself. There's a tremendous, besides taking away from concentration, it put the sugar levels, when you have spikes in sugar and you have spikes in insulin, it causes a turmoil. It can cause a turmoil in a child's chemistry where they feel more irritable, they feel more or less able to focus, they feel more tired. So we need to keep a good level of blood sugar. The way to keep a good optimal level of blood sugar is with the, uh, with quality protein, healthy fats, and, and whole grain carbohydrates. No, so what are we going to do for snacks? So if it's not in a nut-free school, then obviously healthy snacks would be your almonds, your cashews from the nut family. If it's in a nut-free school, then obviously we can't bring nuts to school. I would recommend fruits. You have a lot of fruits now available. You can have, but I would recommend very, very strongly to wash your fruits. We've spoken about pesticides, insecticides. We want to wash the fruits very, very carefully and make sure we get as much of the of the pesticides off the fruits. We don't want to put that into our children. Fruits as a vegetable, or, or let's say some crackers, shibolan crackers is a is a is a is a very healthy cracker. I recommend very much shibolan. And so we want because it's whole grain. It's not refined carbohydrates. So we need or avocado. If your child likes avocado, you can have crackers. You can have rice cakes with avocado. Something fruits, vegetables that's going to promote. Again, we want to keep a good, healthy, stable blood sugar level and and help our children to be able to concentrate and focus well. Now, with the rice, we've spoken in the past about rice, about inorganic arsenic that was found in rices. I mentioned before. Infants from Phil, Dr. Phil Landrigan at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. Infants, I would not be feeding rice at this point. Pregnant women, I would not be eating rice at this point. However, the children at a little bit older age, make sure the rice is maybe from California or from Asia, I've spoken about in the past, not from places like Texas and Arkansas where they have found high levels of inorganic 
arsenic in the rice. So diet, so this is very important. Also, I would like to this: a lot of the processed foods, all the, the chemicals that, that are from, besides we're talking about the pesticides, we're talking about the different colors, the dyes, all the different additives, the superficial ingredients that in, in, that are in the in the in the foods and the snacks that children are eating—it's mind-boggling to me. How can we put this into our children's mouth and now expect them to 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 sit in a classroom and be able to focus and concentrate and and reduce the amount of this, this behavioral this behavioral disorders out there? You want a to nourish a healthy brain and a physical body. The way to do that is starting with food. No question about it. Now, we want to go, let's say, to, to lunch. Now, lunch is a big issue in schools. I know I have, I have relatives that are that Rebbeim and, and Chadorim, and one of my relatives tells me that a lot of children don't even eat, and a lot of parents lunch. They don't like to lunch. One, one of my relatives who is a, is a first-grade rabbi, he says well, they, they serve a few times a week. They say tuna fish. The, the, the kids don't like the tuna fish because it, it's not the, the mayonnaise is in the tuna. The tuna is in the mayonnaise. They don't like it. So we got to make sure you need to speak to the school, to the rabbi. We need to know what our children are eating for lunch. Lunch is very, very important, just like breakfast. They need protein. They should be getting 15, 20 grams of protein. We want them to be able to concentrate throughout the, the morning and the afternoon. This is very, very crucial. So lunch is very important. What can we give them? Whole grain breads, not your white flour, not your, just your, your pastas, your white pastas. That's a little bit of cheese in there. That's not going to nourish a brain, a human brain. It's not going to nourish a human body. Physical and emotional, it's not going to work. It's not the right recipe. You will not get a good chomp. You will not get a good kugel. You will not get a good cake if you don't put in the right ingredients. So we need to concentrate. Very, and I, I know I reiterate, but it's so important. Diet is so important. Okay, before we invite questions, I'd like to just mention other couple of things that we need. Sleep. Sleep is a major, major issue among children and teenagers. Sleep deprivation in this country is massive. How can a child in any form of fashion concentrate and focus and not have behavioral disorders or, in, 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 or something that's negative if they don't sleep well. If you have a child that doesn't sleep well, he can exhibit ADD, ADHD symptoms, even though he, if he went and had a proper evaluation, which I've spoken about in the past, in, in our ADD-CD, that's what we'll mention about at the end of the show, we now have available ADD, ADHD CD free of charge, and I'll give you out the numbers how to obtain that CD, but sleep is needed. A child needs sleep, and most children don't sleep well. How can we promote a healthy sleep pattern for children? It needs to be structured, not sporadic, going to bed at this time, one time, this time during the night, and another night at this time. We need to promote, we need pre-sleeping ideas in order to promote optimal sleep. Maybe a warm bath, maybe a warm shower, maybe a light snack, a complex carbohydrates, which will now produce more serotonin studies with, you know, between insulin producing more serotonin in the brain to help a child more relax, can help be helped with, with maybe a complex carbohydrate before night, maybe some crackers, maybe with some avocado. This would be a great idea. You know, for other ideas, you will we'll give out maybe when we invite questions. The room should be completely dark. 
if there's any light, if a child says, like, Mommy, Tati, I can't go to sleep without light, it's not a good idea. Why? Because light, if the room is not dark and there is light, it suppresses melatonin, which is a hormone produced in the pineal gland. The pineal gland is a gland in the middle of the brain that produces this hormone melatonin. Melatonin is linked to the circadian rhythm that if it's when it's released in the brain it registered it's registered with darkness now if you have light on it inhibits the production of the pineal gland it like turns it off or or compromise the production of melatonin so we need to make sure we have the melatonin that's produced in the brain now now since we're on the topic let's speak about melatonin now there are a lot of parents and there are a lot of even physicians that are recommending that their children, even young children, even infants who are colicky and they sleep, take melatonin. This is a very, very big mistake. Why is this a very big mistake? As we mentioned, melatonin is a hormone. There, the fact that there's a quick fix. In fact, I was on the airplane coming to Eretzrel, Baruch Hashem, I'm in Yerushalayim as we're speaking, as I'm speaking right now. But I was on the airplane. The woman next to me, one or one came in to speak to this woman. Uh, she was with two children, and the woman says, "You know, I uh, hope your children sleep." The woman said, "No problem. I gave my children two two pills, two chewables of melatonin." Now, and if it's used in a in a in a, in a, in a very sparingly, if it's used in just you know, she come into Israel once in a in a you know several months or once in a year, once every once in a while, that's fine. But on an ongoing basis, it's not a good idea to give our children melatonin. Again, there are studies, there have been, I think the NIH, Harvard, we don't, it can, it can have a negative effect on children, on a hormonal balance, we don't want it. And why jump to something that is not, they're not deficient? The fact that melatonin helps, it's not because they're deficient in melatonin. They have plenty of melatonin. We're using it as a quick fix, like we would use a drug. If you give them Ambien, they're going to go to sleep as well. So, okay, so melatonin is, you can find it in a health food store. It is natural. And Nutri-Supreme, myself, I have melatonin, but I don't give it, I do not recommend it ever to kids. I only use it for adults in certain situations. But, but why not address their underlying nutritional imbalances, their calcium, their magnesium, their vitamin D, which has a lot of applications, vitamin D we've spoken about. But one of the, like, the classic application is to absorb calcium. Most children today are calcium as well as teenagers, as well as adults, are mineral deficient. Calcium and magnesium are crucial, crucial for to help us to be more calm, to cool and collected, to be able to rest well. How many times have I seen over and over and over again that calcium, magnesium with a proper level of vitamin D, the children can go to school without a problem? Many children, though, I do use with them a product called Nature's Calm, which is either in tablet form or which is either tablet form or powder form, a great tasting, great flavor. Now, I, now, why is melatonin, what is in Nature's Calm? Melatonin is a hormone that's not a deficiency. Magnesium is two ingredients in Nature's Calm. 
one of the, the primary ingredient in magnesium is children are so deficient today in magnesium. I heard this many years ago from Professor Sid Baker, Yale Medical Center, head of the Giselle Institute for Child Development, who said that one of the major deficiencies in the U.S. is a magnesium deficiency. So I've given Nature's Calm to children and the parents come back besides helping promote sleep. They give it to them in the day in a daytime setting, in school setting, before school. When they come home, Mr. Gruber, I can now sit and speak to my child. The Rebbe says my child now is more compliant. He is not as he doesn't have as these behavioral disorders. In fact, somebody just consulted me in Israel with a child with certain issues with, with sound and sensitivities, it suggested omega-3 fish oil, the premium, and, uh, and nature's calm, and he sees a difference in the child. So why look for something that's, let's look for the underlying factors that are, that are present, the nutritional imbalances. Melatonin is not a nutritional imbalance. There's plenty of melatonin out there. Now, the question is, how much sleep does a child need? This is a very big issue. Now, I would say like this. I believe according to the National Institute of Health, a one- to three-year-old child needs about 12 to 14 hours of sleep. Eleven, a three- to five-year-old child needs about 11 to 13 hours of sleep. A five- to 12-year-old needs about 10 to 11 hours of sleep. A 12 to 18-year-old child needs about eight and a half to 10 hours of sleep, and most are not getting there. Exercise, crucial. Our kids need exercise. That's so stimulating. It's the circulation. The brain takes about 25% of all the blood that the heart pumps out. We need circulation to the brain to nourish our brain and to let out our, like Mrs. Schoen talks about the anxieties and this exercise, tremendous effect on our physiology. Again, now, if a child is ADD and ADHD, I recommend very, very much with Baruch Hashem with great results. Nutri-Supreme Omega-3 is crucial. 60%, 70% of the brain is fat by dry weight. 30% is Omega-3. Where are the kids getting their Omega-3s? You want to focus and you want to concentrate in this classroom setting? Where are they getting? Are they eating sardines three times a week? Are they eating salmon three, four times a week? No, they're not eating that. So where are they getting their omega-3? They need to nourish that 30% of the 60 to 70% fat of the brain. Baruch Hashem, we've had tremendous results. And I mean tremendous with something called omega sharp. What is omega sharp? It's an omega three fish oil, but it's not just an omega three fish oil with vitamin D. It has something called phosphatidylserine, which is a phospholipid around the cell membrane that helps the neurons communicate one to neuron. There was a study showing that omega three with phospholipidylserine in a setting of ADD ADHD children promoted better in parameters of a better in classroom better concentration. So, so important. Vitamin D, get your children tested. Uh, recently, a two- and a four-year-old in there from Israel, their levels were slow, so low, and I contacted Children's Hospital in Boston. Based on their levels, they needed a high dosage for six weeks just to bring them back to take out to address their, such, their severe nutritional deficiency. I would like just to give out the number. Maybe we have just a couple minutes to take a call. Anybody, the text, we have an issue with Texas because I, mean, I happen to be in Israel, but we want to call in if you have a question. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. We'll be back just in a couple minutes. Thank you so much.
Iván. Welcome back to J- Radio J. Root. I'm sorry, we're now out of time. I didn't realize uh, the time issue over here. I happen to be seven hours ahead. I'm in Yerushalayim right now. I would like to give out the contact information for Neutral Supreme Research Center and myself. Again, the Neutral Supreme Research and Education Center is, loaded, is located at 4315 14th Avenue in the heart of Borough Park. Our phone numbers, the local number is 718-853-0644. Our 800 number is 888-68-NUTRI. If you would like to email me, please email at egruber, that's G-E, initial E-G-R-U-B as in boy E-R, at NutriSupreme.com. I wish all of our listeners a kasiva, a kasima toiva, on behalf of myself and the whole staff at Radio J. Root. Thank you so much for listening and have a phenomenal, great Shabbos. Thank you.